You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hey, welcome back, Star Wars fans, to the Rebels Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Star Wars Rebels animated series. This is episode 12 for season three. We're recapping the Star Wars Rebels episode entitled Warhead. If you happen to be checking us out for the first time, I know there is some new listeners out there. I am your co-host, Matt the Crankster Cranky, and let me welcome your creative host, Michael Cohen. What's up, Mike? I'm back. I'm good to be back here. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Uh, we had Carl filling in for you last week, um, which we really appreciate, especially considering it was kind of yeah. double duty on that one because um, it was such a long, long episode. Um, but yeah. we're back. Uh, we're all back and we're all fine here now. Uh, how are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks to... Uh, Thanks to uh, Carl and the Bob Wampas, our podcast, for filling in for me. Mm-hmm. Had some family stuff that I was taking care of, so I appreciate that. Long episode, man. I was kind of hoping to come back to that one. Just to, It was just kind of bad timing, but uh, I'm back now. We're going to talk some Warhead. But before we do that, just, just a couple of minutes, I want to, a couple of things I want to shoot at you, Mike, as far as news. So let's uh, head over to the news. Force is strong this now, here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. All right, Mike. So uh, here's the first thing I want to talk about. And you know what? We've never actually uh, talked since the passing of uh, Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago. Um, I just kind of reminded myself when I was looking at our first news story here. And this new story comes from Lucasfilm, and of course everybody knows now StarWars.com released a statement regarding uh, the rumors of Carrie Fisher and yeah. her character in the you know, new Star Wars movies. And they said, they quote, we don't normally respond to fans or press speculation, but there's a rumor circulating that we would like to address. We want to assure fans that Lucasfilm has no plans to digitally recreate Carrie Fisher's performance as Princess or General Leia Organa. So, I'm going to say one thing, Mike, here, and it, I might be the only one that's feeling this. I don't know, but a part of me thinks that that's a mistake. And before everybody jumps on me, like, how could you say that? Listen, I'm saying this 
and uh, let's see, how can I put this? If Carrie Fisher's estate is not okay with them using her, then t- I totally get it. I totally understand that. You know, go to their her estate and, and first and, and get the blessing. Um, and if they say no, then I'm all fine with that. That's fine. But if they say yes, and I can't imagine they wouldn't say yes. I mean, for what you know, I'm even saying I don't know if they're just talking about her brother or, or her daughter or whatever. But to me, I think they could be missing out on some huge, a huge story and, and having uh, opportunities and have to like cancel huge story elements. We know we know we see her in episode. Or the, they've done all the filming for episode eight, so they're good there, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing I'm hearing in episode nine. She might even have a bigger role. There might be some parts where she interacts with Kylo Ren, her, you know, her son. And I'm just thinking, man, I don't necessarily just want to see a recast. But if there's a way to do it digitally and yeah. you have the you have the blessing of the family, why would it seem like I said, it seems like you're going to miss out on some great story elements. So me personally, like I said, I might be the only one feeling this, but I could, this could be a huge, not a huge mistake, but I just think. They're quick to really just jump on that. We're not going to do it, and then I don't know. What do you th- What do you feel on this? Um, you know, I, I think I think it's probably the right decision. I think with Tarkin, um, he, you know, he's in Rogue One. He's he's definitely um, a main player, but he's only in a handful of scenes, and I would bet his total screen time is probably under ten minutes. So. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about that, I think that they, we're there and we can do that with technology at the moment. I think to to recreate Princess Leia in the final Star Wars film that she would appear in, theoretically, right? Because that's kind of what we all expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that that would be kind of... I feel like it would be a little bit disingenuous to not use her actual performance. Um, and I think it would be very odd because you would have another actor interpreting what they think Carrie Fisher may have chosen to do. And uh, if there's one thing I can say for certain about Carrie Fisher is that nobody knows what she would have done. Uh, <laughs> you know, she was a very unpredictable oh, yeah. person. And, right. and, uh, and her performance is kind of... I don't know if I would say that they match that, but they definitely reflect that that aspect of her personality, right? So, so I think the idea that that they could just simply uh, digitally recreate that character and that person is a little bit. I, I think it's a little bit. Um, I don't want. I don't. I don't want to use the word naive because I don't think that that's right. But I think it's a little optimistic that you mm-hmm. could that you could recapture that. Um, I think Peter Cushing was a a dramatic character, right? Especially the way that he performed the character of Tarkin. Uh, he he definitely was a little bit more in like the cartoonish aspect uh, when he did that, and and you know coming from the Hammer horror sort of background, you understand why that is, right? But I think with Carrie Fisher, um, especially especially with Princess Leia, a lot of her performance is very understated, and it's very um, it's very uniquely her. I don't know that there's a lot of other characters out there in film that have really like nailed that Princess Leia, um, the dichotomy of you know the the warrior princess 
sort of thing in the way that Carrie Fisher did it. There are certainly other characters similar to that, but but none that are quite Princess Leia, right? And especially in, in The Force Awakens, I think that that performance was very um, low-key and understated, and, and I think it would be really hard to capture that. And we'll have to wait and see what, what we get out of Episode Eight. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and what I've been saying since the get-go, is that um, they're probably better off um, and obviously this might compromise the story a bit and make things a little bit funky, but we know that there are deleted scenes from, from the force awakens. Uh, and we know that, you know, they've, they've shot quite a bit for episode eight involving princess Leia. Um, what I would do is I would just take those performances and use those to construct some sort of a scene with that character and then use digital technology to, um, to enhance that, but ultimately to be using Carrie Fisher's performance and not having somebody else impersonate her or, Mm -hmm. or try and get in there and be that iconic character. I, I, I just think that, you know, it's one thing to go with some of the, the side characters, um, some of the supporting cast, and digitally recreate them if necessary for something like Rogue One. I think it's something altogether different to to mess with the uh, the the big three. You know, um, mm, yeah. I, I think that I think that that would be a little bit a little bit on the on the crazy side. So mm. I just don't I just don't think that they would get what they wanted. I think, and I think that the backlash would just be way too much way way too Hmm. much both like the sort of the the um you know because people already i just had the thought that lucasfilm might do this we're already protesting online which is you know it's a stupid thing to protest um but it is the right of every uh person on the internet to to protest stupid things um but i i I forgot where I was. I lost my train of thought there. You're talking about protesting and, and, but I I get, I I understand that portion of it. Like, um, like, yeah, I, I think it depends on like, you know, Ryan Johnson is, is writing the next, um, installment as well. So I'm sure he has plenty of ideas what he was going to do with that relationship with, 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 uh, with princess Leia, but, or general Organa Silva now, but, uh, you know, it sounds like she was going to have a bigger part, and it is. It's got to be harder to do a CGI character like, the, you know, like they did with Tarkin. I thought that what they did with Tarkin was great. I loved it. Like, if it was something like that, I would still be okay with it. You know, like I said, as long as Carrie Fisher's estate is cool with it, I think we should all be cool with it. If they don't care, then, why would you know, then I, why, why should we uh, care about that? And it is, it is a taller tale, though, because – you know what they did, and like you said, in Rogue One, it was just a few scenes here and there. I mean, it, I, to me, it, again, it looked it looked great for for the time, and who knows what they're going to be in the next year or two as far as that kind of digital creation stuff. But I don't. Maybe it is a mix of what you said, using stuff from Episode Eight, and, see, and maybe any extra footage they have, and 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 supplementing it with maybe a little bit of CGI. I don't know, but um, I just don't want to see them have to. 
you know, alter some major plot points of the story. You know what I mean? Like that, that could be, that could be rough. And, and they got, I tell you what, they got a tall task in front of them to try to figure out, you know, if they go with the statement here that they're not going to use her in an episode nine, then wow, man, you talk about, you know, it's either they're going to totally get kind of write her out of the story or they're going to have to refer to her without her being on camera. And just so, you know, General Organa said this, General Organa did that, you know what I mean? And do it that way. And instead of having her on the screen. So, um, I don't know, like I said, I, I thought I was, might be the only one that thought that way, but, um, but like I said, you know, it's all, it all depends on the estate of Carrie Fisher and what, and what they're, what they're comfortable with. You know, they went to Tarkin's, Tarkin, they went to Peter Cushion's family and they were cool with that. Um, that end scene with Princess Leia, I thought it was fine. It doesn't take me out of the story. I know some people, it, it, they said it took them out of the movie to see that. It's like, no, that didn't take, you know, it's, she's part of that time frame of the era, so it couldn't have taken me out of the story. So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough thing. We'll, we'll talk about it more as, as we get closer to, uh, I guess, maybe nine. It'll be a while before we actually have to, I guess they have to actually figure this out um, since they already got her stuff from episode eight. So just an interesting kind of thing going on there with Lucasfilm and, and them just kind of shutting the door on that so, so fast and so quickly. So interesting, uh, interesting developments out of uh, Lucasfilm. So uh, on to more happy stuff, though, Mike. Um, I don't know. This is, a, this is a trippy one here, Mike. Woody Harrelson cast in the Han Solo movie, and it's been confirmed. Yes. So, uh, I mean, come on. Harrelson, I've, I've been watching him since his time on Cheers. I mean, this guy's been doing a lot of different things he's been doing comedy he's been doing uh he's in the new planet of the apes movie uh yeah. so i don't know what's, what's your thought on that i'm just kind of like okay i mean they're attracting big stars to the star wars universe yeah. now what do you think yeah i i think that you can't get away from this um i think when you're making one movie every three years uh and then taking a decade off or two decades off um that you can that you can cast unknowns and you can do all that sort of thing. I, uh, but, but when, uh, you're making a movie every year, I, uh, and some of those movies are a little bit like, I mean, Donald Glover's a bit of a draw and, um, and, and, um, what's her face from Game of Thrones? Amelia Clark, uh, is certainly a, I a name that people know, um, or I don't know if she's a name that people know. She's a face that people will recognize, hopefully. Um, right. And so that should be a good thing for the Han Solo movie. But Woody Harrelson is a household name, right? Um, especially, right. I mean, like, I, and there was a time when I would have said, like, Woody Harrelson, that's no, they like, he's not a, he's not going to be a box office draw. But um, <clears throat> the older generation is going to know him from Cheers, right? I, and that even kind of like bleeds into my generation because I certainly watched Cheers as a kid. Um, mm -hmm. My generation is going to know him a little bit more for like Zombieland and uh, right. uh, King. Is it Kingpin? Kingpin yeah, he's in Kingpin. Kingpin. Yeah, um, and mm -hmm. and you know like Natural Born Killers and stuff like that. Like some of the and True yeah. Detective, like some of the more weird stuff that he's done. Um, and then I I. And then the younger kids actually all know who he is because he's 
he's in the Hunger Games movies, right? So, oh right, that's right. So yeah. you yeah. know, like the twenty somethings to, to you know, like the younger teenagers, they all know who he is too. So Woody Harrelson's actually like a huge get at the moment, but not the sort of actor I think that it's 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 not like it's Tom Cruise in a Star Wars movie, right? Or or mm-hmm. Will Smith or you know like like an actor like that that is definitely going to like draw focus uh woody harrelson's gonna become whatever character he's supposed to be um i I mean like even if he's not thrak and saul solo in name he will be thrak and saul solo in spirit (laughs) i think Um, which for those who are unaware thrak and saul solo was uh, uh han's uncle who basically raised him and kind of in sort of like a um, an artful Dodger Oliver Twist sort of uh, way taught him all of the the thievery and skullduggery that Han Solo is well known for. So all the all those sort of things, like you know, the things that you would need to know in order to be a smuggler. So, um, and that's in that's in the expanded universe legend stuff. Um, so we'll see how much of that ends up making its way into into this movie um he could he could also be a completely unrelated character um Mm -hmm. who knows maybe he's playing an alien i uh, i doubt it i I don't know that you would that you would do that they talked about him but they talked about him being some kind of mentor so that kind of goes into your theory about thrakens also that's Uh, that yeah yeah. it definitely is pointing in that direction um and you know like I think we'll probably find out quite a bit at Celebration. Obviously, Celebration this year is going to be focused on Episode Eight. Um, we, you know, we'll get our title. We'll get um, some of the sort of release details. We will definitely get a teaser trailer. Um, but I, but if you recall, 2015, uh, Matt, you and I recall it especially. I, yeah. I. Yes, the focus was The Force Awakens, but there was definitely a panel where we learned a great deal about Rogue One that we didn't know before. So I think we'll get a Han Solo, a title for Han Solo, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that we will get some uh, character names um, uh, for some of these uh, sort of ancillary characters that, that are being brought into the film. So... Um, mm-hmm. And and mark my words, okay. I think I've already said this on the podcast, but mark my words, this movie is going to be Ocean's Eleven in Star Wars. Like it, <laughs> this is the Star Wars Ocean's I'm Eleven. Okay with that. It's gonna yeah. be Han and Lando, Han, Chewie, Lando, and they're sort of like band of thieves, and they mm-hmm. got to get in somewhere and steal something. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's either gonna be that or it's gonna be Indiana Jones by way of star Wars and they'll do something like Han Solo and the lost legacy. Um, Mm -hmm. my, in only in my dreams. So this is not what's going to happen, but only in my dreams would they take the, um, the Han Solo, uh, adventures written by Brian Daly and adapt those stories to the big screen. Like that would be the absolute best. Um, if they could, if they did that, Oh my God. That, if you haven't read the Han Solo yeah. Adventures uh, by Brian Daly, you can get them all collected in one book. 
and they are so good. They're like novellas, right? Like they're not that long. Um, right. They're just sort of like pulpy adventures, and they are my favorite Star Wars novels um, because they don't take themselves seriously. They were, I think, they were published in like seventy eight or seventy nine. Like they were published before Star Wars had an expanded universe, right? So they're just kind of uh, actually maybe maybe they're closer to eighty, but um, like eighty eighty one. But because um, there's a there's a series of Lando books after that one um, that explain how Lando got the Millennium Falcon. And then I think it tells the story of how he lost it. Don. But um, I haven't read those ones, but I they're just like they're super pulpy and adventure. Um, I and just kind of silly and don't worry too much about the Star Wars galaxy. And they the thing that I love about them is that they are different. Um, mm-hmm. the thing with the expanded universe is that it just became so much of the same, just same, 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 same star destroyers, X wings, a wings, B wings, tie fighters, tie interceptors. Oh, look, now we have a tie fighter with three wings instead of two. Oh, look, now we have a tie fighter with a hyperdrive and shields. Oh, look, now we have a tie fighter that does this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh look, the X wings are slightly faster and better. Oh, now they have stealth systems, and this is the this is the biggest star destroyer that's ever been built. No, this is the biggest star destroyer. Well, this is the biggest Mon Calamari cruiser, and it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's all stuff from the movies. We get it, but in those early days, it was like the Wild West, and they would just kind of do whatever. And so you have stories about Han Solo going after pirate treasure in one of them. Uh, in another one, I I sort of I, I well, see at Star's End I think is like a prison break story. Um, it's been a while since I've read them. And Han Solo's Revenge is my favorite one, it, um, I, and it's a it's a revenge story. Like it's it, some dudes do some stuff that Han didn't like, and so he chases them across the galaxy basically. But like hmm. the Empire, like they, it takes place in a part of space where the Empire isn't really even a concern. Uh, yeah. uh, a part of it like they sort of have this this independent security core um it's a really really cool series and i hope that they're taking some inspiration from that as well as the han solo trilogy um which tells the story of young han and how he became the han solo that we know um mm. and i'm sure that they are because pablo would kill someone if some of that stuff didn't get into the the, uh, the yeah canon universe right so yeah um, but yeah hey, I, woody harrelson we'll see i think we're gonna learn a lot more star wars celebration yeah that's uh, i forgot like when you said amelia clark i mean man and donald glover and now it's you know we had alden Ehrenreich, of course is han and then woody harrelson is playing some characters so man some pretty uh pretty diverse cast there and and some uh some up-and-comers and some people that have been around like like of course woody harrelson so that's pretty exciting did you see that picture of uh like it looked, it was uh, Aaron Reich and uh, Harrison Ford sitting at lunch together. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. I guess they were talking, obviously, about, hey, you're taking over Han Solo. This is yeah. what, you know, whatever wisdom that Harrison Ford needs to <laughs> give to. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool picture, you know. So, um, yeah, I think they start filming here pretty soon. If not, maybe next month or something like that. So I, definitely a celebration. We'll get soon. Something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. That's kind of what's been going on. I mean, there's not a lot of Rebels news, of course. Uh, we're right in the middle. We're starting up this second half, and uh, so not much going as far as Rebels news, but uh, we're just tearing along towards the end to uh, see what happens with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, like you, you were talking about Celebration Mike, and I still think that we're going to get Ewan McGregor coming out on the 
closing ceremonies to uh, be announced as Obi Wan Kenobi for the new uh, Obi Wan standalone movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, fingers crossed. Yeah. Maybe not this celebration, but maybe maybe the next celebration or the one after that. We'll see. I hope um, so. Other than that, yeah. Anything else before we get into recap? No, I think that's it. All right, let's do it. You're in the wrong place. This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the Rebels Recap. Welcome home. Rebels! Yeah! All right, here we go with Warhead. Imperial Star Destroyers are deploying pods into hyperspace when one of the pods lands on the planet Atalon, near the Coral Mesa where Chopper Base is located. An Imperial Infiltrator droid climbs out of the pod and observes the Rebel ship taking off. He proceeds to investigate, but is surrounded by two Krikna spiders. At Chopper Base, Zeb is upset that he can't go on the training mission, but Hera tells him that he is her chief of security and that she needs someone to mine the base. AP-5 tells Zeb that he is surprised to learn that he has been made chief of security. AP-5 adds that, uh, AP-5 adds that he assumed that Zeb was always a heavy-lifting grunt. Zeb grumbles that he has uh, uh, to spend time with Chopper, whom he does not get along with. Zeb pushes AP-5 aside in annoyance and heads off to the command center to do some commanding. At the command center, a communications officer informs the Sot that they have been tracking several meteors that, which have impacted the surface near Chopper base. The officer asks whether they should send a unit, but Zeb says he will go and have a look. Zeb tells Chopper to come along, but the droid is reluctant. However, Chopper changes his mind when AP-5 asks for his help in going through the inventory list. So, Mike, we open up, uh, start off this episode in space, you know, and I never get tired of seeing Star Destroyers in this show. And uh, we get the shot. It's almost identical, Mike, to the Empire Strikes Back opening where we get the probe droids that are sent uh, to scout Mm -hmm. the planets. Same type of thing here. And... And we'll get into the episode or the um, reasoning why they don't have these particular uh, probe droids in Hoth, on Hoth. We'll get to that uh, in a minute in this episode. But also uh, what I loved about this opening, too, was the musical cues they used in this opening scene. Oh, man, I love the way they use this. I, I'm a sucker, Mike, for when they bring in classic themes into, uh, you know, the Rebels or into Rogue One or into Force Awakens. I, it just gives oh. me, like, chills hearing the you know that just I, I call it like the original music but you know the stuff that we're so used to i love that so uh again and then also my uh, the probe droid uh we see this new probe infiltrator droid and he is the uh i guess one of the most iconic paintings that mccory did was that of r2 uh c3po and this was kind of designed after that original c3po drawing so yeah. uh warhead mike starting off um with this episode, what do you think? Uh, I kind of liked this episode. I thought it was fine for a standalone, uh, one of those filler episodes. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, beginning here, what do you think? Yeah, well, there's a really interesting thing that I read on the StarWars.com website on the episode guide. And that is that this episode was actually originally uh, the, the, the A story or the B story or something like that to... Um, to next week's A story, which is the 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 they're going to Mandalore. The the whole mm-hmm. this whole thing with Sabine, which is actually ending up like turning into sort of multiple episodes. I think. Um, mm-hmm. 
so it, it was very interesting to me that they thought like, oh, you know what? Actually, uh, we could totally make this into a complete story on its own. Um, because in my opinion, it's like, this is the definition of a filler episode. Um, it, it does, there is the one piece of significant information or a significant plot point that comes out of this, which is that, uh, now Thrawn has 93 planets or something like that to, to choose from. Like, like he's narrowed it down significantly. Um, so it's only a matter of time before he does find them on Adelon. Uh, but other than that, it was kind of, I don't know. I kind of want to see the episode that they originally envisioned because originally it was going to be Rex and Zeb. And I think right. that that would be a really cool dynamic. Um, instead, we got Rex, AP5, and Chopper. And we already know how Rex and Chopper work together. Um, and how's that going to be any different with AP5? So I really don't feel like we explored any new territory feel like we just got kind of a lot of the same mm-hmm. um well you know the infiltrator droid i yeah if you remember uh, rebels recon that was supposed to be uh i guess feloni wanted it to be like a ktso type um imperial security droid and for whatever reason that didn't happen so well so uh, i think way, that could have been an yeah. interesting the way that, the way that he talked about it was they 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 had sort of already they were already in production and then mm-hmm. they started seeing K2SO and were like, and after the fact, he, he says like after the fact, um, if they had been a little bit smarter, they would have used or created a droid that looked a little bit more similar to K2. But um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think because I think what, what he sort of transforms into is actually very similar to K2. Like it's sort of that yeah, big, oh, tall, yeah, hulking yeah. Um, frame. So I think that they kind of get there if they had just sort of changed up the paint scheme. Um, it's all. It also has has several of the the sort of probe droid um, features, like when, the, when its face kind of opens up and it has all those eyes. I think that's meant to be reminiscent of the of the probe droid, which is sort of supposed to be spider like, right? So, um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I I I don't know. It, it's it's. It just seemed to me like an episode where they were like, this is the problem with with a 20-some-odd episode season, um, is that you end up with stuff like this that didn't necessarily need to be told. Um, mm-hmm. They could have found a different way for Thrawn to find the the, the system. But, uh, well, yeah, but the yeah. episode itself was fine. Like, There's nothing wrong with the episode. Yeah, no, it's a good fine. episode. It yeah. was just like can we get back to the story? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, this, it all revolves around the end, that major plot point, but this was about, you know, the dynamic between Zeb, AP five and shopper. And that's kind of what's highlighted in this episode until we get yeah. to the end. And, you know, AP five and all his one liners, which a lot of them were actually pretty funny. You know, if you didn't listen carefully and you weren't paying attention, you kind of missed some of his one liners, but uh, yeah. And then we got to see a little bit of hobby and wedges kind of thrown in there at the beginning yeah. too. Like, Hey, oh, they're, they're still around. So uh, if anybody was wondering, they're still yeah, there. So a wing uh, <laughs> and B wing pilot uniforms. <laughs> yeah. So uh, good stuff though. Go ahead, Mike. What's next? Uh, here we go. Uh, Zeb and Chopper travel to Sector 6 in a land speeder where they find a damaged sensor beacon. Zeb thinks the marker was damaged by Krikna and soon discovers a protocol droid trapped between two dead Krikna. Unaware that they have discovered an infiltrator droid, Zeb disagrees. Uh, uh, sorry, unaware that they have 
Yeah, Zeb disagrees and carries the droid on his shoulders back to the land speeder. Uh, it's kind of a piece missing there. Chopper didn't want to bring it back to the base. Right. Uh, meanwhile, right. on the bridge of a Star Destroyer, Agent Callus is informed by another officer that they had lost contact with an infiltrator droid. When Callus asks for the droid's last known location, the officer responds that the droid never transmitted its coordinates and proposes alerting Imperial High Command. Callus replies that if they chase down every comm failure, they will have less time for anything else. So here we have Callus running interference again, right? Yes, uh, I love saving that. The day. Yeah. Saving yeah. the day for our <laughs> rebels. But um, I... Yeah, so yeah, the, here's this is my this is my only problem with the episode, okay? Okay. If later on when Zeb, AP5 and Chopper disable the infiltrator droid, it automatically mm-hmm. goes into its self-destruct sequence, which we know is like a common trait of probe droids for the empire. Um rather that it be it be destroyed than than give away any important secrets, right? Um if that's the case, then why when the when the spiders destroyed it or disabled it, did it not mm, right start the dis- self destruct sequence right? Um, right. So I, I just th- I just think that that you know, and I'm sure that Pablo would have an answer for me, but uh, that's my <laughs> that's just my little gripe, I guess. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that until you said that, but yeah, that's that makes total sense. And and you're and you're right about Callus though, like. That was actually a good, um, for him, like he's obviously hiding things, but that sort of thinking is actually good for the Imperials too, because like he says, they can't chase down every single lead that they had. It'd be just, they'd be going crazy with all that. So although it was a great cover, it kind of made a lot of sense for, for, um, the guy he was talking to. It's like, okay, that, you know, that, that, that checks out or that makes sense as far as not going after every single lead. So uh, I'll continue yeah. Back at Chopper Base, AP-5 laments the disorganized state of the depot and remarks that the Empire was at least more organized. Shortly later, Zeb arrives with the infiltrator droid and asks if he can identify the model. AP-5 thinks that the droid is an old protocol model and charges it up. Due to the emergency restart, the protocol droid starts to revive quickly. When Zeb asks the droid who he is and where he is from, the droid initially utters gibberish leading AP-5 to think that the droid systems are damaged. However, the droid begins scanning a munitions depot and identifying its components. Zeb thinks that the droid is harmless enough and that they can take it on as another stray. The droid begins scanning Zeb and identifies him as a Lassat and a military type. Next, the droid identifies Chopper as an obsolete C-1 series astromech droid that is no longer in production. The comm officer then contacts Zeb over the intercom and tells him to report to the command center. The comm officer informs Zeb that they have a new message from Fulcrum. Looking at the schematics, Zeb realizes that the new droid is a well-armed infiltrator. Fulcrum also warns that one of the droids failed to report in recently and that the Empire will come looking for it if it fails to establish contact. There we go. Sir, we have a message from Fulcrum. Let's hear it. Put him through. The Empire has begun to deploy recon droids. These infiltrators sweep the outer rim walls for rebel bases. Oh, look at that thing. It's armed to the teeth. They are... Sorry? 
extremely dangerous but can appear harmless while in protocol mode. One recently failed to report in. Be advised, if the droid remains out of contact, the Empire will come after it, and soon, full command. So, Mike, we got, uh... Sorry, no. Stop it. Almost got it. Stand by. Stand by! Got it. Okay. Are we here? Are we there, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. So, <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, Fulcrum, like I said, Fulcrum, he's checking in, right? And we obviously know that Callus is is Fulcrum. Uh, so, you know, it's it's got to be dangerous for for Fulcrum to do this. And I, I just think one of these times, you know, the Empire is going to, you know, figure this thing out. And I think we're heading to that in this season. Um, but you know what? I'm. It just. I, I still love the fact that that. Callus is doing this and that he's part of this and uh, I just can't wait to see like I said I think there's going to be some gigantic showdown not a gigantic but there's going to be a big showdown between I think it's going to be Callus and and Thrawn and um, maybe some he's going to start setting a trap maybe sooner in one of these episodes as far as Thrawn and, and kind of throwing Callus off but uh, I still love the fact that he's checking in and he's helping out the rebels what do you think Mike? Yeah, well, I think that Callus is going to end up in one of two places by the end of this season, and that <laughs> that is either dead yeah. or with the Rebels. Um, right. Because Thrawn's going to figure this out sooner or later, right? Um, and, and I have to imagine that, that Callus, Callus is in a tricky spot at the end of the episode, right? And we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more there, but but he's sort of, um, because, you know, the the more he does this this fulcrum stuff the more vulnerable he makes himself every time he does this every time he tips off the rebels um and they kind of know what's coming i the closer thrawn gets to figuring out who is the 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 rebel mole right Mm -hmm. so right you know he's got to be careful because (laughs) thrawn's gonna figure it out you can't underestimate that that villain um, he, he's, he's, he's getting, he's, he's taking some risks, I guess is what I should say. Uh, yeah. and, uh, right. I, it, that, that can only go one of two ways for that character by the end of the season. Yeah. So, well, another thing we learned too, is that, that Thrawn is using these, um, these probe droids and, and they're called, and they're not, I, this one actually has a name. Um, but he's using these droids, these AXD nines, he's using these against the empire's like protocol right against their their policy yeah. i guess is what, um, what i'm trying to say so um that's interesting and it kind of obviously plays into effect towards the end of this episode and we'll get to that point but yeah i think that was another huge thing that thrawn is using um tactics that even like these these imperial these they don't do so thrawn's doing stuff that he's not supposed to just to get at this rebel crew so uh, like I said, we'll get to that in, in a few minutes here. Um, Mike, you want to keep going? Yeah. Uh, back at the munitions depot, AP-5 leads the infiltrator droid and chopper on a tour. He uh, he vows that they will have the rebel base in tip-top shape. The infiltrator, infiltrator droid begins uttering rebel repeatedly just as Zeb enters the depot with his bow rifle. Zeb tells AP-5 to step away from the droid because it is an Imperial recon droid. After identifying AP-5, Zeb and Chopper, 
sorry, after identifying AP5, Zeb, and Chopper as rebels, the droid proceeds to attack them with its long grappling arms. The droid leaps on top of a raised bridge and jumps on top of Zeb, who fires his bow rifle repeatedly. The infiltrator punches Zeb several times, but Zeb manages to drive it away with his rifle and shoots off EXD-9's left hand as the droid runs away. Inspecting the infiltrator's severed hand, Zeb says they have damaged the droid but can't afford to let it report their presence back to the Empire. Zeb and his comrades try to track down the infiltrator using the leaking fluid, but instead find a wrecked astromech droid. Zeb finds that the astromech has been drained of its power and its parts cannibalized. Zeb thinks that EXD-9 has repaired itself and asks Chopper to track the droid's energy reading. However, AP-5 tells Zeb, and Chop- Zeb that Chopper is unable to track it down because the infiltrator droid is low on power and looking for more. So the, the infiltrator droid becomes a bit of a droid droid vampire or droid zombie uh, <laughs> at this point and needs yeah. to feed on other droids, right? Yeah. Well, this is where I, I kind of call this. This is the, the predator um, portion of, of this episode mm. where um, not only this, but further on in the episode you know obviously you get the countdown it totally reminds me of predator and, and the countdown of the predator oh, yeah, um, this part sure. too where, where his, for his hand gets cut off and he's leaking and he's looking to try to repair himself so i don't i, I didn't see the behind the scenes stuff so i don't know if anything about predator was used as imp- inspiration but man I, yeah that no, countdown I, thing they didn't say time. anything they didn't say anything in recon but the the website does mention that that was totally meant to be a, an homage to predator Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, makes I, sense. I thought the same thing the second that I saw it. I was like, oh, cool, Predator reference. <laughs> yeah, and and here's, you know, we talk about AP5, he talks about getting the rebel base. So he, he triggers, obviously, the Empire, um, as far as these droids, they put in some kind of um, triggering mechanism where, where if they hear rebels or if they hear rebel base or what anything that has to do with any phrases or anything that refer, refers to the rebels, it automatically alerts this droid and it starts its uh, transformation into uh, like predator mode or what we want to talk about. Yeah. So I thought that was a kind of a cool way to, to have that droid turn. It was like this old nice C-3PO type looking thing uh, to, it just becomes, it almost becomes like an assassin droid. It's able to run fast and jump and it has some, you know, weapons and and all that kind of thing and this fight breaks out and we'll get to that uh the infiltrator droid then confronts uh, i'm sorry I'm going to, zeb then comes up with a plan to use chopper to lure the infiltrator out of hiding so that he can blast it when ap5 reminds zeb that they are in high explosive area zeb relents and proposes grappling uh grabbing it so they can shut it down ap5 agrees to help Putting their plan into action, Chopper searches for the infiltrator. He soon, find, he soon finds EXD-9 salvaging a gong power droid and calls out to him. Chopper leads EXD-9 on a chase through the munitions depot. Zeb waits on the raised bridge and jumps onto the infiltrator droid. He tries to knock it out with his bow rifle, but the infiltrator throws him to the ground. Go ahead, Michael, continue. Yeah. With this uh, here. The infiltrator droid then confronts AP-5 and Chopper but Zeb strikes it with his activated bow rifle. The droid fights with Zeb and manages to sting him with his own rifle. EXD-9 then proceeds to choke Zeb and hurls him to the ground. With much difficulty, AP-5 manages to shut down EXD-9. Zeb and his comrades realize that EXD-9 carries a proton warhead that can destroy Chopper Base. 
Since the droid has begun a 20-second countdown, Chopper freezes its countdown circuit. Almost got it. Stand by. Got it. Do you know your plan actually worked? Of course it did. Uh, okay, let's have some good news. You know, just to see how it feels. Chopper can detect no long-range communications equipment, which means the droid has not transmitted our position to the Empire. Well, that's something. It must have a ship somewhere nearby. So what's the bad news? The droid appears to be counting down. Counting down to what? Most likely it has activated its Imperial anti-capture failsafe. There's probably a proton warhead inside too. If you're right, then this droid could vaporize the entire base and us along with it. So it's funny, Mike, even the even the countdown kind of reminds me of the, the way a countdown in the Predator. So definitely, like I said, they're they're unable to shut the they they're able to shut him off. But automatically, again, like we talked about, it starts this self-destruct sequence, which, again, like we've been talking about, this uh, Predator vibe. But I also got to mention, too, I forgot about some of that. I talked earlier about this episode about how Zeb and AP5 um, kind of had this back and forth. And it's kind of what this was episode was about, their dynamic. Um, Zeb, had, he actually says just prior to this, he goes, hey, that gives me an idea. And AP5 says, really, um, you can have those. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of those where if you're not, like I said, you're not paying attention, uh, they, they can kind of kind of go over your head. But those, those are just one of the few quips from AP5. This is his dry sense of humor that kind of comes through. But uh, we got a big fight here, Mike, with uh, Zeb and uh, and this and this droid, this infiltrator droid. What do you think of the fight? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an action sequence. <laughs> We got an action uh, sequence, yes. <laughs> uh, we sort of go through this on Quiver as well, where at a certain yeah. point um, in these shows, unless they do something really, really cool, and, you know, if the Jedi aren't on screen, they're probably not doing anything really, really cool. You're just, it's kind of just like more of the same sort of thing. So it's like, yeah, we've seen Zeb use his bow rifle before. Um, I, it, it's definitely like... Uh, my thing here is that the stakes are really low, even though the stakes are supposed to be really high. We know that this droid's not going to destroy Chopper Base, right? We know that, right. that um, you know, they, they're not going to do too much in this episode. You can kind of just tell. So although they want the stakes to be really high, they're actually kind of neutral. I wouldn't say they're low stakes, but they're kind of neutral stakes. So... For me, it's a little bit like, yeah, okay, <laughs> th yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, there's nothing really, nothing really happened in the fight that that I thought was um, really stand out. Other than that countdown sequence being totally inspired by Predator, which I thought was yeah, really definitely. Cool. And then Chopper freezing it and all that sort of thing. I thought that that was kind of neat. Yeah, no, and it's funny. Like I was watching this fight, and he had to obviously fight without weapons. And yeah. um, I think if you're a fan of like the UFC, and if you're any mixed martial artist, you kind of notice that. And because I, I noticed it, um, Zeb kind of has this guy. He, Zeb's on his back, but he have he has the infiltrator droid. He kind of has him locked up, and then he has his legs crossed over him. 
Uh, it's kind of like an MMA move to keep somebody from able, you know, keep them from escaping. So um, I don't know if that has any, like I said, sometimes you see these things and sometimes I might be looking more into the, than the creators are, but that's kind of the, some of the things that I notice about this fight. And of course he has to fight without the weapons because he doesn't want to blow anything up. But um, uh, I'll continue here. AP5 thinks that this would buy them enough time to move it away before it explodes. AB5 adds that this part, uh, part requires manual labor, which he calls Zeb's specialty. Zeb recalls Fulcrum's warning that the Empire would come looking for the droid if it doesn't report back. He drops EXD9 on top of AP5. When AP5 asks if he proposes returning the droid with its databanks full of secrets, Zeb struggles to find the solution. AP5 adds that this would take a while. When Zeb asks AP5 if he can get inside the droid's programming, AP5 replies that he can't memory wipe the infiltrator droid since that would re, uh, rearm the warhead. When AP5 remarks that, that it would uh, be a matter of when it will explode, Zeb responds that it would be a matter of where. He proposes sending EXD9 back to the Empire and asks AP5 if he can tamper with the warhead and set it down to countdown when it reconnects with the Imperial network. AP5 thinks that it is possible and asks Zeb what he is planning. Zeb explains that they will send EXD9 back to the Empire with the data, but set the droid to explode and destroy the other infiltrator units. So a great plan here. Um, you know, it's funny too, because AP5 says, um, you know, here's another one where he's, Zeb asks AP5 for his, like, what do you think? And then you get this pause and then, AP5 goes, oh, sorry for my delayed response. I was uh, rather stunned you had a good idea. So, again, <laughs> more funny lines. And, yeah, it was a great idea. I mean, sending this thing back to self-destruct, uh, I think we're starting to get the reason why uh, the Empire outlawed this type of um, exploration as far as, you know, exploring other planets and searching for things. I think this is exactly why they don't want this out there uh, because of this very reason where we're going to see here. So, uh, Mike, uh, what's next? You want anything you want to add? You want to keep going? No, no, we'll keep going. Uh, AP five says he can try to do it uh, and remarks that he is stunned by Zeb's ingenious plan. AP five replies that he will reset the droid to its disarm state and activate its return to base protocol so that it will leave chopper base peacefully. The droid leaves the depot and the rebels follow it back to the, to its ship on a land speed. The XD9 enters his pod and activates the long-range transmitter. However, Zeb shoots it down with his bow rifle. Uh, EXD9 departs in his pod. When AP5 fusses that he may not have properly reset the droid, Zeb reassures him that while they may not like each other, he commends AP5 for doing his job. Uh, do you want I'll me to keep going. going here? Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead. Uh, EXD9 docks with his pod with the Star Destroyer with the other infiltrator units. Two Imperial Navy technicians recognize EXD-9 as a droid they had lost contact with, and it begins to plug into the Imperial system. One of the technician attempts to, uh, attempts to alert Imperial command that the droid was damaged, but that it recovered something. However, EXD-9 activates his countdown, and the Star Destroyer goes up in flames. Kallus watches the explosion from the bridge of the nearby Star Destroyer and feigns shock and anger. After the officer informs him that one of the droid's proton nuclear warrior had exploded, explode, exploded, he secretly smiles. So that's exactly what I noticed and I jotted down when I'm watching this episode, Mike, is Callus's face when he realizes what had happened. 
Um, he knows, obviously, right? He his he knows like his reports as Fulcrum are are working. You know, they, they're getting these reports, they're using the information, and they're turning it against the empire. And that that face he has, that smile he has, like, man, sure. you know, these guys are doing it. You know, I, I'd really love that. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, no, I I, I loved that moment with uh, yeah. with with Callus. I, 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 I've gone from, this is like Asajj Ventress all over again. I've gone from thinking Callus was just a bad guy and, and not even really liking him all that much to being like, Oh, I love it when he's on screen. He's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good moment there. Yeah. It's a good thing that he wasn't on that particular ship that was docking all those information. I, I'm assuming <laughs> that he knew that, you know what I mean? Like he knew like, okay, I'm going to stay off this thing. Just, you know, just in the, in, in case they figure it out, but yeah, I just I love the the smile that he has, and he's kind of like, okay, yeah, everything's working out. Let's see how where we go from here. So uh, I thought it was a great great moment in in uh, this episode. Uh, Mike, you want to finish it up, and we'll talk about yeah, this end here. Let's do it. Uh, the following day, the other Spectres return on the Ghost to Chopper base and are greeted by Zeb, AP Five, and Chopper. Fulcrum congratulates the Rebels for reprogramming the Infiltrator droid he had warned them about and for setting it to self-destruct. Fulcrum expresses it at his admiration for them. When Sabine asks what was going on yesterday, Zeb says that it's a long story, and AP-5 says he can give them the full details. Meanwhile, Agent Callus reports to Grand Admiral Thrawn's command center aboard the Star Destroyer Chimera. When Thrawn asks how the explosion happened, Callus responds that he believes that the Rebels captured an infiltrator droid and reprogrammed it to self-destruct back at base. Callus observes that the Grand Admiral is in good spirits despite the setback. Thrawn responds that in doing so, uh, it has only narrowed down the Rebel base to 94 systems. How did this happen, Agent Callus? I suspect the Rebels captured a unit in the field and reprogrammed it to self-destruct upon its return to base. Quite ingenious, really. I'm inclined to agree. You seem in surprisingly good spirits, considering this loss. Loss, you say? The Rebels may have protected the location of their base for now, but in doing so, they have narrowed my search. Before today, they could have been hiding in any of a thousand systems, but now... Certainly on one of the 94 planets surveyed by my infiltrators. The rebels have won this battle, but the war will be ours. Oh, Mike, there you go. So we talked about it earlier, and, and this is it, man. This is where, you know, Thrawn starting to tighten his grip. Uh, um, so, again, I talked about it. They didn't want, the Empire doesn't want you know, the, the, any of the admirals using this type of, um, what I guess you can call it a weapon, these these uh, these droids, the EXD-9 droids. But Thrawn's using it out of policy, but he's able, he's, he's done this before, he's sacrificing, you know, ships here and there just to get closer, and he actually does. He's able to figure out that, you know, only these 94 places that I sent these droids, since they sent them back, now I know where the rebels are. They're in one of these 94 areas. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though the rebels were able to turn things around and they, they think they're not found out, man, I don't know. Yeah. Look at, you know, Thrawn's 
like I said, he's closing that gap, Mike. He's closing the gap on these rebels. So we're getting there. We're getting, what do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. Like this is, um, yeah, I think we're going to take a break from this story to, to deal with the, uh, the Mandalorian stuff over the next mm-hmm. couple weeks. But then, uh, I, I, then I think what's going to happen is we're going to deal with Ron. Um, and, uh, he's going to basically, like, you know, there has to be a reason why Phoenix squadron, um, has sort of fallen apart and becomes part of, uh, uh, Dodonna's crew on Yavin, right? Because we know, and here's the thing, this is one of the things is that Pablo kind of, uh, gave it away on the, the recent Rebels recon. We're two years out from Rogue One. That's right. that's the official timeline, uh, according to to Pablo. I, I don't know if that's corroborated somewhere else or like that that timeline is is outlined somewhere that I, I'm not aware of. But it Pablo said on the on the Rebels Recon that at the point that we meet Saw Guerrera, he's four years I I Jin has been gone for four years and they're two years away from seeing each other again in Rogue One, so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the, the, that that means that we're pretty we're pretty close actually to uh, to our rebels um, sort of being dispersed, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, and and having to rejoin um, some one of the other rebel cells, um, uh, and we know that they do because we know that that the ghost is on is on Yavin, right? And yeah. we know that Wedge yeah. and Hobby are on Yavin. So mm-hmm. obviously something's yep. going to happen between now and then, right? Um, and we know that Thrawn is going to find the base. We've seen it in the trailer. It's all in the trailer. Uh, that Thrawn's going to find the base and they're going to have to evacuate. So, you know, this is all kind of coming to a head, sort of all building up. And I think that all of the the story threads are kind of all the, everything that's sort of laid out at the beginning of the season, first half of the season, I think is all starting to tie itself up now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, this is you definitely think, one think, of the biggest parts. Yeah. Do you think, um, at this point in the story, yeah. uh, with, with this ending, do you think, do you think, um, Thrawn has an idea that Callus could be, they know that they have some kind of mole, um, from this particular uh, scene, you know, Callus says, "Hey, they probably did this." I'm wondering if Callus goes, "Man, how does how does how did you know Callus figure that out that they use that?" You know, yeah. or you know, I wonder if he has any. As far as the the episode, it doesn't really show anything as far as um, Thrawn knowing anything. But I just wonder if you had any. You think, yeah, yeah I think he knows it's Callus. What do you think? I think from that episode where I, I, where they steal the plans to the Tie Defender, mm-hmm. um, I think since then Thrawn has had a pretty good idea that it's Callus. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I, I do yeah. think that the that yeah that Thrawn knows. Uh, okay. I, I don't I don't think that that's a that that's a stretch at all. Um, there's mm-hmm. a really good chance that he knows, and he's just sort of. He's you. I think he's using Callus to get himself closer to the rebels. Um, yeah, just like he did here. I mean, he's using these, like I said, he's using these droids to narrow it down. But then Callus gives him information on how to reprogram the droids. So it might be this master plan that Thrawn's, and and he knows it's Callus, but he's got to 
he's continuing to use Callus until it's he's not needed anymore type of thing. Yeah, um, sure. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see though. Um, so that's it, man. That's that's Warhead. You know, again, I thought it was a fine. It was a fun episode. Um, you know, again, when we're talking about these fillers, uh, it was fine. I mean, some fillers are better than the others. And I thought yeah. this was a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, I guess with that, Mike, you want to check out the emails? Yeah, let's jump into the email. What message? The Rebels Podcast. Well, that's a tangent club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. So this one comes from Christopher Rocka, Mike, and I think he's referring to possibly last episode. He says, Saw was childish, with a question mark. We don't know what horrors he has seen at the hands of the Empire. War isn't simple, and it's, uh, it's not chess. Saw hasn't flipped yet, and I hope we see it in a future episode. The Alliance wants uh, wants it if it has to. Uh, let's see if I can figure this out. I love the Alliance wants if it has to fight like a standing army where Saw just wants to fight by any means. They also had everything right to toss Click's hideout for their own safety. It's common sense. So yeah, he is talking about um, you guys' last episode, of course, the Ghosts of Geonosis, Mike. Um, I guess you guys. Are, I, I listened to the episode. I'm trying to remember where you guys said Saw was childish. I don't know about that, but Saw is definitely. Um, man, he is, he's kind of messed up from all that's happened to him. And we, he's still got a lot more stuff that happened to yeah, him between sure. now and Rogue One. So, um, do you, do you remember what he's talking about as far as Sabi and Childish? You know, I, I'm not, I'm not really remembering exactly that, but, um, mm-hmm. sounds like something I might've said. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably talking about, obviously, like in that particular episode, um, Saw was obviously he's been through a lot with the Empire and he's on the attack. He's kind of like an attack mode. So anything that has to do with the Empire, he's ready to take it out, find out information because he's he's so impassioned with uh, he's he lost his sister. Yeah. He's, he's so impassioned about getting revenge and getting back and, and defeating the Empire that he's willing to do whatever it takes. And whether and, and, and with this character, click clack. Uh, we saw that it was just, you know, the, as far as the other rebels, they were kind of like, oh, okay, let's let it go. We've gotten everything we needed from it. Um, let's let it go and, and do its own thing. But Saw is one to, you know, he wants to get to the bottom of this, where there's torturing this thing, killing it, whatever. So um, that's just where Cal, uh, Saw is as a character right now. And of course, he goes through a lot, a few more changes before we get to Rogue One. Uh, looks like some more rough stuff happens to, to Saw. And I don't know if we're going to see that in this series. I, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't. You think we're going to see anything from Saw from from now on? No, uh, Mike, I, as far as Rebels, no, I don't, I don't think, think we're, we're going to see him again. Yeah, I think they'll uh, save that for a book or a comic or something. Yeah, possibly because you got you got um, Force Witter to come back, and I think he just probably did that. He was obviously doing some stuff for Rogue One, and hey, let's you're in the studio. Let's have you do some lines, and yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. I think we probably won't see him again as far as this series. So. That is from Christopher Baca. So if you want to email us, guys, don't forget, um, you can use Facebook or whatever, Twitter, email. Um, it's all fine. We'll, we'll take whatever you guys send us, and it's always fun to interact with you guys. Um, Mike, next time on Star Wars Rebels, I'm really interested in this one. It's called Trials of the Darksaber. And uh, let's take a quick listen to what is in store for us next week. No Mandalorians developed a type of lightsaber. We didn't. This was one of a kind. Legend tells that it was created over a thousand years ago by Tar Vizsla, 
the first Mandalorian ever inducted into the Jedi Order. After his passing, the Jedi kept the saber in their temple. That was until members of House Vizsla snuck in and liberated it. They used the saber to unify the people and strike down those who would oppose them. One time, they ruled all of Mandalore wielding this blade. To help recruit her, her people to join the rebel, Sabine reluctantly agrees to learn to wield an ancient Mandalorian weapon, but finds the challenge more difficult than expected. Mike, woo, check out this. We're finding out, like, there was a Mandalorian Jedi in the Order. How crazy is this, man? I'm really excited about this story. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I, I am psyched for this one. Um, the the clipping question, like, the, the one that you just played for us, is... Uh, possibly one of my favorite moments in this series so far because uh, it's got this Isn't that great, a great clip yeah, yeah, yeah. this great kind of like animated um it, you know what it reminds me of do you remember in harry potter in um i think mm. it's in the second deathly hallows movie uh they 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 tell the story or whatever of the of the deathly hallows and when they do it's sort of it's this animated pop-up book sort of thing it was that sort of right. thing but like with a shadow play so I mm-hmm. uh, I what's what's his face? Uh Fen Rao holds up the, the Darksaber and then it sort of casts light and shadow onto the wall. And I don't think it's meant to be literal, so let's just get that right out there for everybody now. This is oh, not yeah, this no. didn't actually happen. The Darksaber doesn't have the ability to project stories or something like that. This is a a figurative sort of uh, uh, poetic way of telling that story. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought no. it was a really cool way to represent that, and it was it's so well done. So yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I can't I can't wait for this episode. Uh, I'm really excited. I personally now I, I mean like I've seen a few people griping about you know oh all this Mandalorian stuff and it's more more of this this terrible uh, uh, Dave Filoni Mandalorian stuff because you know these <laughs> are all the people that are like really into the um the Karen Travis Republic Commando books, right? They want they want the Mandalorians to be Klingons from Star Trek. And I personally don't subscribe to that. I don't I don't want to know how to speak Mando. I don't want to to have like all of these structures to their society because, you know, like you you battle to do whatever. That, that's not really like I want some cool stories. I don't want a, a, a Mandalorian uh, culture for me to pretend like it's a real culture. I, I don't need that in my Star Wars. It's really not necessary. Tell me some cool stories about them and we can infer their culture from those stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like tell a story how now they're a pacifist world and, and, and what happens when a pacifist world gets pulled into the Clone Wars. And and tell me the story of the Death Watch, allying with a Sith, a former Sith Lord, you know, and and taking over Mandalore, and like tell me those stories. Those are cool. So you tell me the story that there was once a Jedi, uh, a Mandalorian Jedi who built his own unique lightsaber, and that's the dark saber. Well, I'm down. I I don't know about yeah, you, yeah. but but I'm all all over this. Like I think this is gonna be a great great story. Yeah. Um, well, that's why that's what I thought too. Is uh, go ahead, finish your. You no, yeah, and Sabine learning to wield it, I think, is even cooler. So. 
Yeah, I saw this, and, and you were talking about that image in the clip we were talking about. I just love that. I mean, it t- does. It also reminds me of a lot of uh, Disney films where they where they kind of do that, where yeah. you know, whatever character is kind of doing some exposition, and they like to show you what's going on through through art and all that. So I really thought that was like really Disney inspired. But I loved it, and the fact that we're getting Mandalorians, but how they tie into the Jedi Order, and that there was you know what they say a thousand years ago or whatever it was that there was a mandalorian inducted into the jedi because i always wonder like i I see the dark saber but how does that like this is they call it a dark saber so how does it fit into the jedi world um and and we're finally going to get that now so i'm really excited to see that and i was i had no idea what they were talking about as far as um when i looked at uh, before when I've looked at, you know, what's trial, what's coming up next? And, oh, Trials of the Dark Saber. I wonder what that is. But man, this looks really good. Looks like you're going to get a really good story. Um, maybe introduced to uh, Sabine's mother, it looks like. So mm-hmm. lots of good stuff to look forward to. So definitely looking forward to next week. But that will do it for this week, Mike. That does. That does it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And you can follow Matt at the crankster. That is crankster with a K. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and we're also part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. As a matter of fact, as Matt and I record this tonight, it is our two-year anniversary for Thunderquack. Right. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's nice to record an actual podcast on that anniversary. So, uh, you know, we've been running for longer than that, especially if you uh, uh, throw uh, uh, front lines in there as well. But two years ago, we launched the Thunderquack Podcast Network uh, and and a bunch of new podcasts along with it. So you can check out all those podcasts by heading to thunderquack.com. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's a Star Wars Saga Continues, there's Talking Time Lords, there's Double X-Files, there's all sorts of great stuff there. So head to thunderquack.com, check that out. If you want to support us uh, on Rebels Podcast, you can do that by heading to store.thunderquack.com. And, uh, and picking up some Rebels podcast merchandise. You can get t-shirts. You can get phone cases. I have I, I did a design with uh, Kanan's uh, uh, sort of crest um, that he had on his shoulder armor in Season 1 and 2. Um, I did a design for that. And I've actually got it on my phone case. Um, and I have it on a t-shirt as well. Uh, and it's pretty cool. I like it quite a bit. I, uh, but you can also get the the uh, Rebels Season 2 Phoenix. Um, I And you can get it on all sorts of stuff. You can even get a pillow with the Rebels <laughs> Podcast logo on it. So uh, nice. you can do that, again, by heading to store.thunderquack.com. And, of course, if you want to support all the podcasts, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and uh, kicking in a couple of bucks. And, and uh, a dollar gets you the exclusive Thunderquack podcast every month. Um, last month, Matt and I, I uh, did our, our, uh, no holds barred, uh, <laughs> uh, rogue one spoiler cast where we sort of broke down rogue one and, uh, and, and discuss that in detail. Um, so that's up there. I, 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 and, and as well as the whole like back catalog. So you can go back and listen to, um, about, I think there's about eight or nine episodes on there. Um, yeah. 
you know, one for every month since we started doing that. So uh, you, you can do that at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, and, uh, and every dollar that goes into that helps pay for all of our podcasts, not just Rebels podcast, but everything on the network. So we really appreciate everybody who, who does support us over there because uh, we couldn't do this without you. But, yeah. uh, but that's it for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week with Trials of the Dark Saber. See you guys next week. See you next week. <laughs>